being in Lower Manhattan and just the graffiti and growing up in the 80s, Keith Herring and Basquiat. I lived that life. I brought that approach here to Florida. I am jealous of how full your beard is. I don't grow here. You gotta give me something. If I don't have the beard, I have uh, no true. hair. Like, I look like yeah. a glowworm. God's a comedian. He literally is. He's like, you know what? He puts hair on your back, but he takes it off your head. <laughs> I lost my mother at nine months. My mother was considered like a supermodel in New York. So she went to all the trendy nightclubs. So during that time in the late 70s, heroin was being introduced. When she was pregnant with me, those drugs were circulating through her. So when I was born, I was actually born addicted. So for today's guest, we have got a man who has an incredible story and um, something that really blew me away. So our guest has, he was, born with a heroin addiction and tragically lost his mother at nine months, uh, which he was taken in by his grandparents who have been a huge influence on who he has become today. And like with most entrepreneurs, they have a burning desire to give back to the community things that they don't necessarily have. And our guest, he started the franchise Twin Cuts because he doesn't have any hair. So, <laughs> so please welcome Sean Casey. What's up, man? So, uh, <laughs> thank you for having me. No, thank you for coming, man. Yeah, man. So, yeah. excited to be here. Just uh, popped on Instagram, saw a message, and I'm like, who is this guy? Just sliding into DMs. Sliding into DM, <laughs> asking me for an interview. And then you did some couple of name drops locally. I'm like, oh, okay, he's local. So, I had yeah. no idea where you were from. And I'm like, all right, this guy's trying to hack my account. He's going to ask me for my... Uh, you know, my Can cash app. Your, your SSN, please. <laughs> yeah. Click this link below for, you know, for information. And it's then true. That's how you that's get That's how them. it is right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We were doing um, some some videos for IT guys lately, and they're like, some of the scans, I'm like, people fall for that shit? Uh -huh. Like, very surprising, where I'm like, wow, okay. Right. But no, it is, uh, I, I, I just don't know. Instagram's great to just slide in people's DMs. It is. Know? It is. Make sure to just bring that super close to you. You, it, can, you can pull it to you, too. But, um... Yeah, no, everyone gets a little bit weird at that. Did I fuck it up already? Uh, is it good? Is yeah, it good? good? Yeah, you're good. good. <laughs> Great. Um, yeah, it kind of weirds people out sometimes where they're just like, who is this dude? But yeah, for sure. I'm so used to having people slide in my DMs. And I'm for like, sure. Cool. Well, the thing is, too, like I've grown my social media strong within the last I, – I mean, I've been on advertising through social media for mm. – since MySpace, like I've been uh, so one way or another. <laughs> yes, I've been using it for an outlet to like promote me as a barber, as a young kid, to opening up a shop, all the way, every avenue I have. But this last year has just been like, I found a niche, I've made it grow and it's got really strong. But on top of that, it's like I got everybody from like India and Pakistan and, mm. and Russia and all these other countries sending me a, a, you know, a bunch of message requests that I'm not following. So I'm so nervous because I've had so many friends lose their accounts. Yeah. So anything you to do, I'm very like cautious yeah. about. The trick is just never click a link unless, I mean, I say that, but I always send people links like my calendar. Yeah. But that's the biggest thing. If yeah. someone's like, hey, is this a photo of you? Don't click that link. Just right. Don't. <laughs> right. And it filters in. So when it's a lot, like you've got to say if you had a few people, then you can research it. But sometimes mm. I overlook it. So I'll ignore a lot of people right away. So it was good. It was a good approach that you said because you mentioned a few people that I know that either I've, you know, worked with, maybe even gave him a haircut where mm -hmm. we've brought up and I was like, okay, he's local. Yeah. All right. This is going to work. Well, I found you through Alexis. 
right. after you did the Bugsy. live with him. Huh? Everyone calls him Bugsy because like oh. I had so now he's trying to be a little bit more like I'm more sophisticated. I'm gonna use my name. <laughs> yeah. No, I, oh I didn't know he's him. a great videographer though. Oh, he's sure. fantastic. Uh -huh. um, he's the one where we had a video that goes went had like eight million or something on Insta. Okay. And so he had all these people reaching out, goes, did you guys pay for that? And I'm like, dude, I've never paid to boost a video in my life. Right. right. And it was, it was just an Elon Musk one. But no, nah, it's funny when someone, when people call him, like I only found out he was called Bugsy. Yeah. Literally on Raphael's, like after Raphael's podcast. He's like, yeah, okay. yeah, you know, Bugsy. I'm right, like, right, I right. don't. And that's another good friend of mine too. I've known him since like straight out of college. Was his, I'm still his barber. Oh, really? Yeah. He so looks I, fly. Yeah, he does. You yeah. know, I make him, I work the best, you know. I, can, I can't create, I can't turn water into wine, but I make him look good, right? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he was almost fine. He's a funny dude. Oh, he's he's really funny. That was my first time meeting him. I'm just like, are we, are we going to be friends? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> But um, yeah, I mean, I want to, your journey is super interesting uh, that I'd love to start from the start and just right. move through that because for sure, um, I mean, we were chatting off the podcast <coughs> and you said some people think you, you are or were addicted. Yeah, to right, or, right. Because that was the but, intro. I was going to say like, please, like just edit the part and just say mother possibly, you know, mother passed away tragically. But yes, I, I mentioned that like early on on certain things. So mm. the history of, of I, I was raised by two fantastic grandparents my father's an amazing um, hairdresser in New York, a hair colorist. Um, I was raised by my grandparents. I lost my mother at nine months. My mother was considered like a supermodel in New York. So she went to all the trendy nightclubs, the Studio 54s. So during that time in the late 70s, um, heroin was being introduced. So a lot of people mm -hmm. in those disco era was getting introduced to that. Unfortunately, my mother had a, a bad episode while being... Um, while getting caught up with that lifestyle. So even with myself, when I was being, um, when I was, when she was pregnant with me, those drugs were circulating through, through her. So when I was born, I was actually, you know, born addicted, <laughs> mm. you know, and that was the only time that's ever been into my system. So it's funny that I never got caught up with hard drugs. Yeah. Um, there's something maybe the essence of, of energy that never allowed me to fall down the path because, you know, there could have been a possibility my, my teen years and stuff that I would have been open to do a drug and probably been addicted to it a lot quicker because it was mm. in a bloodstream when I was younger. So, you, you know, she, I heard these great stories. New, we were, you know, I was born in New York city. She was, she was great. My father was killing it. And unfortunately when I was nine months old, she passed away my grandparents took me in um, and raised me, and I just had an amazing time. And my father is just like, you know, he's always been in my life. And then there has been in and out times where I've lived in him within the city and stuff. So, yeah, you know, he, he's doing great. He turned his life around. I'm sure both of them were just wild mm -hmm. 20-year-olds in New York City like living, the, living the star. You're talking, you're talking to somebody in the hair industry and somebody in the model industry. I mean, it's party, sex, and drugs, yeah. right? <laughs> and not to mention my mother was a hippie. So it's just like good times, right? But yeah. everything happens for a reason. And how old was she when she passed? She was 24. Wow. That's, yeah. a, that's short. Yeah. Poor thing. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Do you feel like – I mean – how, because I mean, I've, I've, back in Sydney, we were aware of kids that were born yes. addicted to meth and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, but I never really had got the opportunity. Like I knew of them through a girl I used to date when she, uh, she was doing uh, teaching placement at a rough school. And she's like, man, 
and the mother was still addicted to meth and you could tell mm-hmm. that I think the kid was still kind of, they said he was physically uh, dependent on it. And this, this poor kid was like eight. Yeah. So, I mean, what, do you know how, I mean, if you were addicted to it when you were born, was there a process that they helped wean you off or was it more just? Just, I was so young and I was a baby. So it's just, it wasn't introduced because my father wasn't on it like that. So it mm-hmm. was just, it was, it was just within time. Once she passed away, I don't know the timetable of me um, moving with my grandparents at that time. So mm-hmm. it's just a, so they wouldn't give her any anesthesia during that time um, mm. because any extra d- drugs, I wouldn't have survived. Really? Yeah. So that's why I knew about that. My grandmother had mentioned that when I was uh, when I was born. So, you know, whatever it was, it, it, I didn't have a process. Thankfully, right, there's, I believe there's a reason for everything. You know, mm. it's, it's a tragic way for somebody, to, to, for a child to lose their parents, you know, I tell people sometimes, if there's one person you could ever meet in your life, who would it be? And I was like, my mother. I'd love to know what of that course. relationship would be, especially her being a hippie. Like, I feel like I'm a 70s child to today. <laughs> I listen to, like, Marvin Gaye records and Curtis Mayfield records at home. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm that whole vibe it, it, I'm, I'm heavy on. And I think, like, certain conversations with relationships along the way, there would have been cool conversations. So there's a, that missing element to it. But, like, uh, but I'm blessed not to be that 8-year-old kid. Yeah. That I had to struggle and see those early. I have, I, to me, it's, here's a photo of your mother. Mm. This is what it is. But I was raised by two loving people. So for the foundation of myself, there was no regrets. I'd rather lose somebody so close and not building up a relationship with them than losing them later in life and really possibly giving me mental health issues because mm. there's that separation, anxiety. You know, I have a nine-year-old daughter, so... The relationship me and my daughter have, God forbid, if anything happened, I could just imagine how emotional and hurtful it would be, or if I was struggling with something and how it would affect. I, I really didn't know. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you never really know how it could turn <clears throat> out. Like it's, it's it's that weird thing of life, you know. Yes, like it could have been maybe the reason you never tried stuff was because of that story. Mm-hmm. We we're like, oh shit, I've seen some, I've seen the person I loved or I would have loved right. the most past so early in my life it's like I don't want that yeah whereas you could see other I mean it, it could have been like with obviously with some parents they see sorry it's kids and people I've grown up with they see their parents still doing it and it's that classy like smoker thing like yes. ah, you know my my grandmother lived to 80 I don't I'm not afraid of it right you never you just never know right so and yeah. of course, being raised by your grandparents, they I mean they were very strict and I was like I was rebellious mm. like everybody you meet in my circles like oh you're Sean was wild, you know, like I was a wild <laughs> kid, but I was like, you know, I like I liked having a good time, but I was yeah. never like in a situation, thank God, so wild where I needed like help. And I think a big part is like, one, to witness my grandmother, my grandmother was young with my mother. She was 17 years old, mm. and, you know, and she's from Tripoli. So she moved here to New York, you know, in the, you know, the 50s and stuff. So she's her whole mentality of what she witnessed in Libya Growing up as a child and 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 coming to the states and then witnessing all that, she there was always that strict. I always wonder, like, why, why every move I'm making, they're over me. But she mm-hmm. lost, you know, her child. Yeah. And and heaven forbid she lose her grandchild. Right. And you mm-hmm. just see a change. Like everyone said that there was a, definitely a change within my with my grandmother. Um, 
all around when something like that happens. The worst thing that I think that could happen to any human being is probably losing your child. Oh, yeah. You know, like, could just, you imagine, like, I've got a daughter too, and the thought of that, oof. You don't want to. You don't want to witness that. So I think so tragically waking up and hearing that news and stuff. So I always wondered why I was, when I was younger, like, you know, all these type of restrictions. Like, almost made me feel like, yo, I'm, you know, I'm yeah. not coming home. But, like, <laughs> they also had the fear of, like, foreign grandparents, like, yeah, you know, you're going to get the belt. Mm. <laughs> you know, like, you're going to feel this. You're going to be in trouble. Like, there's a, I was kind of nervous to, like, take it too far. Yeah. You know, so there was extents to my madness, but. Yeah. I, I, it's funny. I, I had a conversation recently, and it's part of the the easy stat, um fitness thing that I sell it's about um you know parents and I'm like I think a father should have the ability to beat his kid but chooses never to yeah like there's something about a strong parent mm -hmm. that I think society has lost where it's like oh you know like yes don't hit your kids but if if your kid knows you have the ability to overpower them mm -hmm. they will respect you For and sure. if you don't hit them they will respect you if if right if right. you do They'll fear you, and the that's fear not of help. God. You got to put some fear of God. Sometimes you got to walk in the house and throw a chair over for no reason, <laughs> for no reason, and then walk into a room and laugh. Like you know what I mean? Business in here. You know, I yeah. got a son as well, so I was in high school when my uh, when my son was born. So I always had yeah. a sense of responsibility. He's he's grown. Like mm. he lives in New York right now, so there's a 15 year difference between my son and my daughter. But my son, I'll pick him up and body slam him through a wall if they like he, he takes it too far. But my daughter, the patience is like she'll say something it's and different. she may say the most <laughs> disrespectful things to me. And in my mind, I'm like, wow. Yeah. You're the only human being in this world that probably could say something like this. But fortunately, I got such great kids, and I, I and I never was a big. You know, I never, I never hit my kids. I mean, I, I slapped my son on his ass, you know, here and mm. there. You know what I mean? Like to a point, but never really had the necessity to do that. But I was stern, yeah, with a goal. Like you know, there was a time, you know, just being as effective where he was doing good with with school, and then he uh, he comes home and I give it two weeks, and I guess he's dating somebody, and he's in that middle school age, or maybe I don't know where it was. Oh, well, you know everything right. about life. Yeah, and I'm thinking like, great, <laughs> he's doing great in school. His, his grades are looking good, and I, I I don't pay attention for two weeks, and then I look at his reporting, and it's like he's missing all these grades. So it's like, you know, I'm not here to slap you. I'm like, you know those Kobe Bryant sneakers you're wearing right now? Mm. Take them off. I'm pulling you from basketball. I'm taking your video games, and here's a flip phone. I'm taking your phone. Those grades got up really, really quick. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like some motivation. That's it. You know, and more effective than like slapping kids. But I definitely agree you have to have that authority to know yeah. that, you, you know, you can't be abusive. Abusive takes you nowhere. You have to learn patience. And children who have parents that know patience have a lot more respect. But, yes, you have to mm. be like I am the father and I need to sometimes discipline. Yeah. And that because that, I mean, I, that's the thing. I mean, I, I love my dad. I love him to the bits. But during my my teens and my early 20s, I I look back at it, and I was, I was a little shit too. But I was never physically afraid of him. And I kind of am like, I kind of wish I was. Right. Because I look at my friends who were, you know, they'd say like, I'm not going to do that. My dad will freaking hit me. These, these, these kids were never hit by their dad, but they were like, if he wanted to, right. uh, you know, it was more like a metaphor, but there was a difference of it. And like, obviously now I've grown up and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I was a little shit. But at the same time, when you're a teen, you don't know any better. You just know what's coming out. Right. You know? And so that's where I kind of was like, man, you know, you should have the ability that you could beat your kids in a fight, mm -hmm. but you choose never to hit right, them. Right. You know? 
And right. I think that's a stoic way to go. But um, with your son, how old were you when you had your son? Uh, 18. Yeah. What was what was that like? Scary shit. Yeah. Scariest time of my life. But I was a big fuck up. Can we? I'm, Absolutely. Have you met me? You haven't met me. <laughs> <laughs> where, where, try, where are you from? Australia. Yeah, you I try not to swear. A lot. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want to stereotype, but I was like, you're I from just, I try not swear in the first 10 minutes for YouTube, and then after that, you know, shit's okay. something fan. <laughs> Great. But yeah, no, I was, I was wild. Like, even with yeah. grades, it's like, you know, I found a system in middle school where it's like, oh, wow, I can fail all year long and do eight weeks of summer school and pass this grade and screw off the whole time. Like, I was mm. that kid. That's why I became a barber. But my son was such a reality check. Like, I was getting to the mm. point in high school Let's where... close. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was getting to the point in, um, in high school where middle school was like... I was just... School wasn't inspiring me. So I would mm. find ways to just get through with school. And the time that my son was born, the direction where I was going, I had no path. You could ask me what I wanted to do with my life. There was no direction. And it was just like, the girl that I'm dating was like, hey, I'm pregnant. And I was like, hmm, what are we going to do? Mm. She's like, keeping it. I was like, hmm. I got off the phone. I was working at Hertz, rent a car. I hang up the phone, and I quit. I was like, wow. I'm going to my car, and it was the longest ride home. I was like, did you speak to my grandparents? Mm. She's like, yes. I was like, hmm. I went home, and I felt like the Matrix slap. It was coming in slow motion by oh, my yeah, grandmother. Yeah. And I was like, I stayed backwards. And I was just a very scary time and we're just looking for options. I didn't know what to do. I was like, I can't even take care of myself. I don't even know what direction I need to go to, but there's a unconditional love and he's the greatest thing that's ever happened in my life, mm. especially at that transition in my time. And it also brought me closer to my father, which we always had a great relationship earlier, but it was a distance in a way, a distance relationship. But we bonded more with the, hey, you know what? What are we gonna do? You have mm. a son, what direction are you going? And I'm like, I, I like to cut hair because I used to like going to the barbershop. I like the jokes. I like the atmosphere. And I bought myself some clippers because I had a beard since I was like 12 years old. So I had my little oh, that trimmer. That must be nice. I just grew this. <laughs> nice. It looks good. <laughs> <laughs> it looks good. So I used to trim it up. And then I had a few people around the neighborhood that I was cutting up. God forbid how they look. I don't even know. But I was like, oh, I'll be a barber. And he's like, well, you're going to be a barber you need to go to school. And if you need to go to school, I'll help you get through school, but I want you to stay with me now and we're going to start this process. So my son gave me that like motivation that I needed mm. and put me in the right place because I don't think without him, who knows what direction I would have gone to. Mm. I would have kept going more left and left and that could have turned into many things. And going back to how we started, that might have even turned into more drugs and hanging around people that just might have been a more negative influence because of the confidence of myself and not the confidence of being a successful student and trying to find an outlet in my mm. life, you naturally surround yourself around other people doing the same thing. So it was just a kick to be like, man, I got this responsibility. It's real. But yeah, it was, yeah. It was very, very scary. So let's talk about the easy challenge. You guys probably are not aware, but I used to be a personal trainer back in Australia for about eight years. After seeing so many clients stop training with me or stop those habits, they would just fall straight back into the things that made them gain weight almost instantly again. And so after a bunch of years, I realized it was, it hurt me a lot more than I think it hurt them because I just saw so much hard work go to waste. And so a couple of years into it, I started figuring out this new 
method that I call the one-two compound method. And so with that, it's about habit stacking, creating habits that will help you for years and years to come. And the best thing is it's so easy. So we've already had people lose up to 20 pounds in their first month by using the one-two compound method. Best part is they don't even realize that anything is happening because it doesn't have to be this hard work. It doesn't have to be all of a sudden your life is flipping itself over upside down and you have to focus on 20 different things. Instead, you're gonna have a one-on-one coach who will guide you every single step of the way so that you don't have to think. All you gotta do is just do the next thing, tick that off for 30 days and the next thing. And after time, what you will notice is the weight will just start coming off. Now, this is not just for people who are trying to lose weight, also people trying to tone or just change some habits so that they don't ever feel like they're being miserable through a diet. Because let's face it, diets do not work. So to find out more about the easy challenge and the one-two compound method, all you've gotta do is head to my Instagram at Aussie Blake Doyle. Now that is O. Z, or Z, you guys call it Z, don't you? You call it Z? All right, O-Z, Blake Doyle, and then slide in my DMs and just write easy. Now let's go back to the show. Yeah, kids have this weird thing. Uh, like I, When I moved here, I mean, I was drifting further and further apart with my family through a lot of stuff. I mean, I think that were, there was a lot of fear about me moving to the other side of the world. I mean, we moved here during COVID, so it was like, I mean, Australia was- From Australia to- yeah. Wow, so you're you're only been here for years. Yeah. Wow. Like 18 months, maybe? Wow. No, two years yeah, in I know, June. All the places in the United States, you put a pin on for Mars. Uh, well, it was because we the in-laws had a, or have still, a vacation place in Benita. Nice. And so it was like, all right, we can move there, stay there rent-free for a bit while we set everything mm-hmm. up. Um, and then we got hit by the hurricane, had 15 feet of water come through the area. So yeah. that was fun. That was great. Welcome to Florida. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, it was interesting because as all, like during COVID, uh, you know, Australia was, we were on an island, you know, like we, we, people, when they would compare America to how they dealt with the, the pandemic versus Australia, I'm like, dude, that's like comparing a three foot guy to a six foot guy going, be more like him in basketball. It's, it's unfair, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're, we're like on, in the other side of the world. Right. You were in one of the last countries to get it too, right? Well, we were able, we we were able and then to shut hit. everything on. We had zero cases. Like we had zero cases. Right. In, if it, like one was terrifying. Uh huh. And so you know, Stacy gets pregnant. We get our visas, and I'm like, I'm going over because if I don't go over I, now that I've got it, if I don't enter the country in six months, I lose my visa, and I'm going to move there anyway. So I'm just going over. And I mean, Florida was. COVID capital of the world. So like you got Australia, zero cases a day, seeing Florida blase about 10 to 15,000 cases. And so they they were terrified, but there was a lot of other things building up to that. And people would always say to me, look, when you have a kid, it'll change. And I'm like, whatever, you know, you hear it and you're like, Pfft. right. And right, right. you know, it, it is funny. I think a bit of space has helped as well, but more or less it's like, I don't know. I want to share the moments with her, with my daughter, with them. Right. And, you know, like it just, it's, it's, it's weird. It's like this olive branch yep. that just comes out of your wife, you know? <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yeah. For and sure. So it's funny that you said that about your father and how it's happened with my parents too, that olive branch that was like given, I'm not religious, but like given by God for lack of a better For sure. Terminology, For sure. That a grandchild slash child gives to, um, uh, you know, because they can give them back. Yeah, there is no return policy. 
Like, no, the grandparents, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, they're stuck with us and have to deal with our bullshit, uh-huh. right? And we're like, oh, you guys are wrong. We know everything. We're right. <laughs> and then you become a parent and you be like, they had a lot of valid points. Yeah. And then they love your grandkids. You're like, why did you treat them so much different? And then I found out that the difference between being a parent and being a grandparent is Distance. they can get them, <laughs> they can hug them, they can love them, they can buy them something. And then when they act up, they're like, you're going back to mom yeah. and dad. And yeah. then they smile and like, Ha ha, I told you. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> you thought you were so smart. Right. But no, that that's cool. That mended. Um, there wasn't, was there issues with your father leading up when you were young? Or was it just that you were angsty? He was such kid? a workaholic. Like he's an amazing hair colorist in, mm-hmm. in New York City. He's won awards. He was considered the greatest hairstylist in, in New York Magazine twice. His celebrity book is amazing. We're like celebrity was, book, as in like people like yeah, done. like he's you know like John Leguizamo's wife. He does like he, he did like all the models back in the day. He does like the Game of Th- the oh, the creator of the Game of Thrones. Mm. His wife. He does. Um, I'm trying to think, everybody like Bernadette Peters, who's this like the the biggest Broadway star ever. That's been his her, his best friend. Since a child, he was he started and do her hair when she at the very early stage. But like his book of the people he went through, he's just amazing. It's just mm. two different worlds. It's funny that I fell into hair and he wasn't he wasn't my inspiration of getting into hair. Yeah. In a way I was like, damn, you're balling doing <laughs> hair. Maybe that's why I was like, oh barbering. But for how different and polar opposites we are, there's this like work ethic about both of us that we share the same. So we mm-hmm. are alike on many ways. As as much as we are super distance. Yeah. So, and my son now lives with him, and my son is just like this little Gandhi kid was so just reserved and quiet, and they get together so well. So he's like this little mix of everything. Me and my dad love him to death, but we're like in a room together for like a couple of hours. I'm already like, okay, I got to get the hell out of here. (laughs) You know, and he's always been there, but it's just he worked living in Manhattan. It was my grandparents was like him, him, being raised with like staying at these 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 type of camps and whatever needs to be while you're working all day long, he gets a kind of a foundation. Yeah. And that's kind of what what worked. And then, you know, that early responsibility with my son, I have this joke. I'm like, hey, I've been a father my whole life. I like I don't know since I was a teenager mm. in school, I've always had a sense of responsibility. So even with him, he was living with me. And this last September, I'm like, what do you got to lose? Move to New York. Because he does hair as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... Oh, so he's doing too. Yeah, so he's working with this... He's this, not bald yet, is he? No, he's doing much better than me. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing... He's doing... Yeah, I'm going to get to that. He's doing amazing. You got to let him go when he's killing it right now. But I had this big, thick, curly head of hair that all my family used to come up to me and grab and be like, oh my God, his hair's still... Thick. That's why he lost it. They kept grabbing it. That's right. Maybe being a teenage dad too. Oh uh, yeah, that could be. That's probably like, oh my god, mm. rub the follicles right out of my head, right? Yeah, yeah. But um, so he, so really, it's that it was um, because that was one thing I was fascinated. I'm like, you know, what got you into uh, hair? Is it you don't do hairstyling? It's more barber s. I'm barbering, but I'm dual licensed here. So I got my original li- license of, as a barber in New York, and when I moved here in 2006, I I had to do more hours, so I went to a beauty school. Because mm-hmm. they didn't just have barbering school, so I got my uh, my cosmetologist license, mm-hmm. which is also hot chicks there. Not when I went. Uh, not funny. when I went. I feel it was, like that'd be a female. You know why? Because theme. I was doing a uh, mine was an extended one because I was working and I had to do a part time 
mm. and like a night course that not there wasn't a lot of students, so it was uh, different. But there are usually are a lot of hot yeah. chicks. If I was when younger, it would have been great. Yeah. So I just had to do what I had to do to get the hours. Then I take the test. Then the state bought my hours for me at being a barber, and then I got dual license. So I'm a cosmetologist and barbering. Mm. So even when I teach, you know, when I'm um, teaching at school, I use both of my license. So I'm able to talk about and teach both men and women. But I have a passion for men's grooming. Yeah. But I do know how to do women's hair. Yeah, okay. Or in long, well, you know what? Nowadays, you have to say long, medium, and short. So I'm, I, I know how to do <laughs> long hair and medium long. Actually, that is, that is one thing I want to ask. Because I always got confused. What was it? Um, you know, they say, because like, I used to have long hair. But I get charged as a dude. So I would save money. I know. Which I always found very bizarre. Like the Funny, fact I'm it? like, hey. A men's haircut. They're like, all right, cool. You're coming in. A men's haircut is 25 bucks, say. And they look at you with and evil I, And I walk in and I'm like, chick length. <laughs> if we're going stereotypes. Yeah. But I was like, sweet. I'm getting like yeah. a $300 haircut for 25 bucks just because of for how sure. I was born. For sure. Winning. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Privilege. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so we're changing that. But, you know, even at the school that so I was working with, they, they now, were talking, to, yeah, like uh, off a of length. And even the company. Mm. So I, I am contracted with a clipper company called Andis. And I have videos on their 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 website. Um, of me, and they're so diverse. Like I do a 1980s flat top mm. kid and play is that style. that coming back in? And it is. The retro style will really? come in, in and out. Like you may not see so much here, but you see it. Uh, mm. in, in more like you go to Atlanta, you go to New York, you go to LA, those retro styles are there. So I did a, a style like that. I did like, you know, a tousled, kind of like a curly hair like you have, but uh, more this is shaved like, this on is, side. This is how I got out of the shower. That's my style. Well, that's a style now, but even like faded on the side, did a really? style like that. Homeless and is a style? It is a style. Sweet. Have you seen Derelict? <laughs> no, so that's where Kanye got his inspiration from the Zoolander movie. Like, oh, really? Derelict. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. The I, whole I need to watch that movie again. It's a whole, but um, and then in that I do a long women long length, uh, layered haircut, and in the video in the website it doesn't mm -hmm. say women men. It says long length, long layers, short, medium. They're categorized yeah. that way, and so we adapt that into style because it is actually true. Because it, why would it, I charge you less mm. off of? Your gender to mm -hmm. somebody else, and you guys got the same hairstyle. Yeah, it's gonna take the timing. So I, me, where I charge, I charge according to timing. So if it's mm -hmm. gonna, if it's a service that takes thirty minutes, I charge the thirty minutes. If it's a forty-five minute service, or if it's an hour service, and that has to do with, you know, length is a big part mm -hmm. of it. How long I'm taking to cut somebody's hair. That makes more sense. You'd be able to schedule that a lot better too, because mm -hmm. I, I find that's one thing. Um, as interesting is, you know. You get to a hairdresser, say you made an appointment, a lot of them, you get there and it's like, it's like Hollywood, hurry up and wait. Right. So it's like, ah, oh, shit, I'm running late. You get there like, sweet, I'll see you soon. And you're like, all right, 20 minutes later. Right. Like, like you went to the doctor. Minutes. Yeah, pretty much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I just get people to come to my house now. I'm like, For just turn up at my house. I'll pay an extra amount. For sure. Hey, I'm going <laughs> to give you my card. But, um... <laughs> You know, f for sure, I think timing is super important. And this is why I like to, I, I have a passion of cutting short length hair and really try to master that doing men's grooming because I only have to deal with you for 30 minutes. Yeah. Sometimes 45 minutes with a beard and I'm in and out. Longer length hair services, I have to deal with somebody a little bit longer. And sometimes mm. I got so much patience. You know, <laughs> you make great people, but not everybody is. So it's like 30 minutes, even if you're like, whatever, I got to listen to you, I can 
turn that book and move in and out. So I, can, I know how to master my craft where every 30 minutes I stay on schedule. And that's really important as far as booking. Like you get annoyed and you've started getting your haircuts cut at home. Yeah. People stick but with you me. you know how good it is? I mean, Especially in Florida, the amount of time saved. It is. It is. I, no joke. They get hope, my house. Hopefully they're charging you a good amount of money. Yeah, not bad. Message. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's literally like I'm talking in the door, out the door, 15, 20 minutes. Oh, wow. For me. Because it's like I'm super chill. I'm like. Right. I know. It, like, I'm not. There's no point styling it. Like I even say, I'm like, there's no point styling it to how it will look. Right. Because I'm not going to do that. I'm just going back to my house. Right. So they just literally. And then, you know, I sweep it up after. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I bought back because of Florida. Yeah, the time, and I was like, dude, I just for this extra amount, I bought back probably, uh, I reckon at least an hour and a half. Yeah, you know, plus waiting time and everything else. That's how I charge as a barber. I judge charge by time. Mm. That's what it really is. It's not even about services anymore. It's like you want to book me for it's timing. I could do everything. So it's yeah. like there's not like that's smart. That's a lot new. Of do that. They should. Should. Yeah. You know, this is something that I would always write. But you can't do that right away. You have mm. to have levels. So when you start, do your services and stuff. But it's funny because I make this joke. If you go into a shop and they charge you more money to use scissors, that means they're not that great at doing scissors and they're trying not to do it. So don't pay more money to get a scissor cut with them. <laughs> That's really what it is, right? But if you should be able to use any technique, whether it's your clippers or scissors, it should take you the same amount of time because a haircut is a haircut. You should master all your tools. Once you master using your techniques and you got your haircuts down to a system and you can maximize your day, then you should transition into time. Mm. So whatever you want to do, it doesn't matter. You're buying my time than the service. Like, oh, a haircut plus a beard plus this. You know, I have it labeled in my app like haircut, this, haircut, beard, but I take the time next to it. Mm. So you're really like forcing you to do the time because explaining time to people doesn't quite make sense. So I kind of put the services together of what they really cost to do. Yeah. You know okay. what I mean? But if I get out my house, then I'm going to have to charge you the hour and a half or two hour time to mm. pack up my clippers, to drive. I got to equate what the gas would be, whatever it is. And it's got to make sense for both of us. You're 100%. saving time and I'm taking time out of my day because I can use an hour in my business and, and stay there and make money as yeah. well. So uh, I would do that if I still live in New York. I don't think I'd work in a shop. I would probably be more of a freelance barber, um, building relationships, networking with the right people, and then just kind of moving around and going to the right people to make my money throughout the day. Interesting. Would that also be because, I mean, I guess rent is so insane in mm -hmm. New York? Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, the easy accessibility to tra uh, transit over there as well. True. They're Right. So you could get a backpack and that can be like, okay. And you know, it's like, it's a city there mm. in New York. They're, they're accustomed to charge higher. Right. Yeah. So if it's like you're uptown, I can jump on a train and see you in a certain amount of time. And then I can set something downtown. I can fit four people in my day. I don't have to overcut. Mm. And I've had an, an amazing successful day. Yeah. But in order to do that relationships is super important. Everybody wants to live that lifestyle, but they don't even know how to hand out a business card and say hello <laughs> or shake somebody's hand. So yeah. meet the right people and put yourself in that situation. And then it's important to understand your self-worth. And then that's how you're going to make a good living for yourself mm. in this industry. Yeah, because uh, that's actually interesting because New York, now that I'm thinking that through, if you're a New York hairstylist or barber, that would make more sense because, I mean, so many of those people, are, one, have the money, but two, they don't want to travel. You know, they like many don't, and they're working from home now. Yeah, 
a lot of them are working from home. I was just there last week. I worked there all week. Uh, so, you know, and, and I always extend it because I got my family over there. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing work and I'm spending time with them. And it's just like the city's booming right now. It's like really? we need reservations everywhere. The city's a hot spot. I stay in, in Lower East Side, which is amazing. That's the place to be. Greenwich Village is popping. I didn't even make it my way around the city. That's what I love about New York. No matter where you go, you can always have a new experience. Mm. But every single place had a line to get in. It's just it's just really just a, a, an amazing place. But I also found out while working in the shop out there and, and talking to other people, it's like so many people are working remotely from home, mm. from their jobs as well. COVID so the opportunity of doing, yeah. So the opportunity of like going to people's houses even works better because they can work at home while you're cutting their hair. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely the last two years have shifted a lot. Mm-hmm. Like Raph and I, Rafa and I spoke about that on the podcast where it's hilarious how people shit all over. No one wants to work anymore. It's like, no, no, no one wants to leave the house because we were forced. Raphael put in a great way. He goes, everyone was forced to learn to stay at home. And, you know, kids in their 20s and early 30s, I still, I'm still thinking I'm a kid, they... Me too. I'm immature. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, if we had, if we didn't have necessarily a, a career or a business, a lot of us were just like, hmm, well, I still want to make money. And we're still... We're old enough to be savvy and young enough to be savvy with right. internet that a lot of people were just forced into the internet. And now we're like, oh, shit, why would I? Right, back? right, right. You know? But, um, yeah, so with Twin Cuts, the thing I really like about it is, like, it's a cool vibe because I've had a couple of haircuts there as awesome. well. And it definitely feels, it just feels different. It doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel sterile. That's what I noticed. Like, most haircuts, you kind yeah. of feel like, I feel like I'm walking into a room of hair bleach. Where, you know, other heck, you know, I just, the old school, like, you know, <laughs> right, walking right, around right, thing, right. your little thing around your head. Um, We're still clean, people. Yeah, you're still clean. <laughs> but no, that was the thing. It's um, it's funny because when I saw Alexis and I was like, oh, Twin Cuts owner. I'm like, that place is cool. That's why I was like, I want to reach out because it's, it's just a very interesting yeah. place where you've created a, a unique vibe. Uh-huh. And it, were you bringing deliberately like New York here is that the I think it's just my my thing I love pop art you know what I mean Mm. I like like being in lower Manhattan and just the graffiti and I'm I love art you Mm. know like growing up in the 80s Keith Herring and Basquiat and 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 Warhol and just random like you know Basky and like just I'm an I love art museums that's me even that going back to why I wasn't great in school was I wasn't an adaptive learner I was a creative learner Mm -hmm. and our systems are set up for adaptives but there's this whole world once I tapped into making money as a creative I did amazing so when I moved here from New York a lot of the things that I did even being an intern working for a record label out there I when I started running my own business I was running it and promoting it the way I saw that on the ground you know, early 2000s, how record labels would be having street teams and standing out and putting posters mm. on the wall. And I was handing out flyers to go to BB Kings on 42nd Street. I, I lived that life. So I brought that approach here to Florida. And that's what I did with my shop. And then my shop, I always wanted to be like, they're either really like run down and nobody put money into it. And they're just throwing like, uh, uh, mirrors on the wall and got crappy chairs. And it's just like, it smells like, you know, people like it stinks and it smells like, you know, weed and it's just not the environment. Or they're like too franchisey, right? Mm. And it's like, you know, it's too much of a system. So how can I take some of the professionalism from a franchise but keep that kind of like, yo, you still feel like you're not, 
you're still walking into your local barbershop. And I wanted to blend those two together. Mm. So it's important to give that atmosphere of like, yo, it feels like an art studio inside of the shop. And it's, it's each shop actually has its own. Like you could go to all seven locations and each location, you could tell that they're the same brand, but they're not a mirror of each other. The nuanced. Right. So they play to the locations to where they're located at. So I mm -hmm. have a standard of keeping the barbershop, you know, where you feel that you have a booking app and you can sign in, you can sit with people and you can get that experience. But at the same time, I allow the people that work in the shop to have some form of creativity as well. So we have a light dress code. I like to see everybody dressed predominantly in black. So you know who the barbers are in yeah. working in the shop. But at the same time, they can dress the way they want as well. They can have, you know, certain colors and accessories and shoes. And some people could dress up and some people could dress down. But it looks like you're still an artist. Yeah. And that's important to me. I wanted people to feel like they're coming to see an art because I think we are artists. Mm -hmm. At least I look at hair that way. I look at it as, it, as a, a canvas. It's always inspiring. No matter how great I do in life, I think I'm always going to like the art of cutting somebody's hair. I like seeing the finished product and yeah, it's a Jeff, love. It would <clears throat> hair is just like the fashion for the head. Mm -hmm. Cause like that's, um, I mean, we've noticed, you know, how you put together your outfit makes people perceive you a different way. Same as your haircut. For sure. Um, and like, I don't want, I noticed that if I get a real, you know, clean cut, whatever my wife, she goes, you look mean. Right. You know, versus uh, with our content and everything else, the goal is I want to be approachable and out there while still maintaining a fitness physique. Yes. And so I was like, this haircut suits that better because it, it's, it's like that. Yeah. For it, sure. Like it, it equals it out. It's like, all right, he, he takes very good care of his body. If I have very good hair straight away, it's like, I'll admit it. I look like a bit of a douche, you know? And this is like my little saving grace. Yeah, we're like, yeah. all right, he's a, he's a human. For and sure. And he can be dorky and be out there. And people are like, I like this guy. For Whereas sure. The second it's like, fantastic haircut sure. they're like Oof. like i need to be in a suit now i mean i need to be a banker you know well, yeah, <laughs> banker, absolutely banker. isn't it crazy that <laughs> haircuts slightest things in hair just changes the perspective of somebody yeah even beards mm. right it's like you take away i am somebody. jealous of how full your beard is i don't grow here well there's like nothing there you, you gotta give that? me you gotta give me something well, right, so I can grow it, but it's like no. I'm saying you got to give me something. If I don't have the beard, I have uh, no true. hair. Like I look like yeah. a glowworm. That is a real. Right? That is a, a real main thing that uh, I feel like God does. God does. <laughs> God's a comedian. He literally is. He's like, mm. you know what? He puts it, hair on your back, but he takes it off your head. Yeah, it's like you know, when you're going through puberty. Puberty. I don't know what that is, but <laughs> puberty. We get the point. Puberty. Uh, yeah, it's like you, you don't have any hair on your body, but you have a nice, nice you know, grass top on here. And the second you start like getting through that puberty thing, he's like, bang, women find hair, like, they, like generalize women like a thick head of hair. I'm going to take that away from like 80% of the men and put it on their back. It's like, dude, <laughs> right. what are you doing? Right, right. <laughs> I thought you had to help us. Right, it only happens with us, right? <laughs> so it's like, come on, man. You know, thank God I had a round head. It's always kept me in the game. So yeah. I've been pretty good. I pull it off well, but again, like, you know, at least I got a beard. At least mm. I can trim something. The bald head though is coming in. Is, 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 is a strong look. Yeah. You like, look like a super villain. Like what successful villain is not well, bald, right? I, yeah, but I mean, like even now it's like there's like with the Rogan look, like you got Rogan, you got Jason Statham. Yeah. You got all these like bald, tough guys that women are just like, oh. That's true. And so, you know, I feel like it's coming back. There's like, But that's all, you know, it's the thing about being bald is like 
your features all stick out at that point. Like mm. that's, you know, like you just said, a short haircut and a long haircut changes your look. Mm-hmm. I don't have that option. <laughs> you, you know, I mean, you could do the Trump thing. You I, put could a wig do, on. I could do it. Right. <laughs> those lace front wigs that we're doing now too. But, you know, I could do a fuller beard and I could change the appearance of like a short beard to a medium beard to a longer beard. I can do those things as well. But you generally mm. when you're bald, like is what it is. And, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm just grateful, thankful. You know, there's some people that I feel bad because they know like when they lose their hair, f- hats, hats are going to be the a big investment. Thing. Yeah, yeah, hats are investments. And so, I mean, because beard culture is massive. Yeah. Uh, to the point where, I mean, I met a guy in LA and he had, a, it was this this was a mustache, but he had like, you know, you know when you walk past someone and it's like, again, the representation, this guy had like a full blown, oh. like monopoly man thing. And I was like, I mean, I'm dry. I have a photo. Like, there's a photo from I 2012. I have a photo of it because I was like, what? So obviously, you know, you like talk about this thing on this guy's face. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, I've won awards for it. I was like, get the fuck out. And he shows me photos, which I also have on my phone. And he's there with an award for his mustache. And mm. I'm like, there's there's like award things for There's an hair? award for everything. That's wild. But, you know, one thing I have, I noticed when I was uh, in my 20s working in bars, my friend, like he was... So when you were 21, like people taking their beards seriously was kind of like, what? But it was like that beginning of that bit of a hipster phase coming in. And he had everything like beard shampoo, beard combs and everything. But the amount of random conversations he was getting with people Mm because they would just start talking to him about his beard was insane. Right. And that's when I started noticing like, man, there's a whole culture and fascination about beards. The same as like, my other friend who's 6'6", six, six, every time we walk around, people just go, you're tall. I'm like, people yeah. walk up and say that? Yeah. But people have that with beards too. Yeah. Are you finding that beard culture is still growing or is it like sort of leveling out? No, it's, 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 it's the beard, like beard products in the industry is a multi-million, if not maybe a billion dollar industry just mm. on the beard itself. So the hair industry is a $6 billion industry. Mm-hmm. Just in here, we're talking about retail product sales throughout throughout the company. We're not talking about service dollars. So the beard itself, you know, there's a million. I don't use any of those products. Um, I don't need to. I don't really like. I let it let, let it just go. But people are like, put the balm and the oils and the sheen. Mm. I just use conditioner. It softens up your beard, and you're fine. You don't need to get all that other stuff. I'm sorry, companies, if I just blew up the spot. But yeah. some people really, I don't want really like too much of an oily beard. But yet, you know, luckily I have the moisture where my beard is not doesn't really itch me or really dries out. That's what I get a lot. Right. So those products are great for that. Like yeah. if you use an, an oil conditioner, it's going to soften up the beard. It's going to take a less irritation. Some people, when they start growing up, mm. growing a beard, some people, when they start growing a beard, uh, their skin gets irritated and they start getting certain flakes on their skin. Mm-hmm. So there, there are things that you have to uh, take care of. And I just couldn't imagine like <laughs> putting. I just don't have the time. Yeah. I'll trim it up. Thank God I'm a barber because I could do my own beard and shape it up. So I don't have to go to a barber shop to do that. But I just don't have the the whole maintenance of it. Mm. Yeah, because some guys like go like like I said, he had everything where it was. I felt like my mate was turning into a chick just with his beard because it was like it was so many steps and such a regiment. But he had an incredible beard, so I mean I can't judge either. So. Right, right. <laughs> but um, 
So, but you're tall, man. So we're not gonna. So you got hair and you're tall. I'm five ten. I'm the most. Oh, I thought I you am, said you were six six. No, no, my friend is. Oh, because I thought when you said I was, I was short as shit when you I walked was, you in. You made me feel like excited. I was like, you're six six. Where did I grow? Did up? I grow? <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, I'm right there with you. No, my friend is six six. Like he's a tall, caramel looking, attractive dude. Oh yeah, he's it, getting it all day. He could be bald head oh, and yeah. no beard. If you're tall, being tall is a cheat code. It's a massive cheat code. It's you know? unfair. I did the weirdest looking guys. I've cut guys. And I'm like, you're good. You you win all the time because mm. everybody comes up. It's like, oh my god, you're tall. Yeah, yeah. Girls are just like, I want to climb you. Like, yeah, you know, that's what it is. A stereotype. Yeah. If you're tall, you're gonna be long. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like <laughs> they're winning off of that. So like, yeah, it's just such an un. But it, it's funny though because I don't know. It, it for me, being tall is not that fascinating. It's like I definitely look at be like, wow, that's, damn. But yeah, like we were at Publix and this dude just is having his. Massive conversation in the checkout with my mate, and I'm just like, "He's just tall," and like it's it's always the same question. Do you play basketball? Play basketball? <laughs> <laughs> so I have a joke, right? So we even cut some of the we 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 have always had history with FGCU's basketball team coming mm. to the shop, and we've always Do you need, like, cut a stool them to like when they sit down. Sometimes, sometimes <laughs> I, cut, I used to cut one of the centers on on the team back in the day, and I was like r- literally like on my tippy toes doing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, sometimes I meet them now and they'll walk in and you know, like, they're in athletics. So the first thing I'll be like, water polo? <laughs> and they laugh <laughs> because they're so used to hearing basketball if you're tall. Yeah. like, oh, uh, you guys play water polo? Yeah. I know. I've told my mate, I'm like, you need to start saying, like, correcting people and saying lawn bowls or something that right. requires the floor. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, nah, nah, I'm really passionate about lawn bowls. Yeah. Polo? <laughs> you know, so... um. Yeah, for sure. You're right. I do, I think we're we're the same height, so it's like mm. I'm I, I believe I'm five ten. So we'll count it. I'm Round, gonna count it. it up I'm right two. there. <laughs> you know what I mean. So, I'm, but I'm I'm fine with it because I'm never the shortest in the room and I'm never the tallest in the room. Yeah, yeah. I'm always that good thing. I've never had anybody say, "Hey, you're short," mm. right? So if you, short women might be like, "Oh, you're tall," but I know. I'm always that mid. I'm never getting short, and I'm never getting tall. I'm like, so, yeah. and I'm happy about that. I don't need the extra attention. Yeah, I wouldn't mind a little bit of attention, but I always say I'm gonna like, take an inch more. Like, let me get, let me get those two inches. Let me get hit six. Hundred percent. But it's it's funny because um, I mean, I always tell everyone I'm like, I'm the most average human that exists. Like five ten is the average height it of a male. Brunette, average hair color. Mm. White, I'm pretty average white dude. You know, like, <laughs> like that's the only thing. Mm-hmm. But in Australia, it's like no one cares. Right. But over here, it's like, you know, again, I've always just found it weird. I think maybe just because I've been around so many different people. Right. But when I'm here and people are like, you'll get crazy conversations and all of a sudden like, you're Australian? Oh, and then it's the same thing. I've always wanted to go. I'm just like. Right. That's a cheat code here too, though. It is. You come in with that accent, right? It's like yeah. you, you win that right there. It's like so you that you made yourself <laughs> six foot nine. Yeah. Just off your accent. That's why I, and I hang out with my friend and all you of a sudden know, the accent disappears. You go to the bar <laughs> and you say you say some say a few words and they're like, oh my God, really? Australia? Yeah. Well, I had a girl abuse me once at LA because she was like, I don't know what she had a chip on her shoulder, but it was one club. Uh, slash bar. <laughs> That's LA for you. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, it was it was Riverside County, so it was a bit south. But I had one girl first. She's like abusing me. She's like, your accent is shit. No one believes it's real. And you know what it is? She really liked you. Maybe. But I didn't get the vibe. But yeah, she's like abusing me about how fake my accent is. And it's so clearly fake. And I'm like, all right. Um, and then two, then I had this other guy who was like a Marine. And he was abusing me about... 
how shit our military was in Australia. It's right. so embarrassing, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, it's because right. we don't go to war, bro. Like, right, you're just right. telling me that we don't fight people. Right, right. right. <laughs> we get it. We respect you. Just have a drink and chill, bro. Yeah, because like, right now we're not yeah, I don't we're not fighting. At this moment, we're not fighting. I don't think you're offending me as much as you think you are. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so well, weird. Actually, I'm happy you're here because if something happens out of all of us, you're the trained yeah, one. He's not protecting me, though. He goes, fucking kill the Aussie. <laughs> He's, sure. like, he's got shit military. He's going to use anyway. his shield. He's like, oh, yeah, kill him. Yeah, he's, he's a piece of shit. Yeah. But no, it was. it is funny, though, sometimes where you're just like, I think just because Sydney's so multicultural, uh -huh. where it's like, we hear accents, we don't care. Like, right. we just, it's, if there's a unique accent, I might be just like, oh, so where are you from? They're like, you know, uh, Bulgaria. I'm like, ah, oh, sweet. That's cool. That's cool. Right. Like, it's just such a melting pot for Sydney. For sure. And also, like, I mean, Americans... We grow up on American TV, so hearing the accents for us, it's no different right. from every single thing on TV, the shows. Oh, very true. YouTube, like it's, it's uh, Australia is very much, it's very similar to America. However, someone climbing the wall. <laughs> Marine? Stop shit talking. Stop, yeah, <laughs> Where's this coming out? <laughs> But um, yeah, we're, it's just, it, it's so interesting because my friend who lived in LA for 10 years, when I was moving here, he goes, you won't notice a difference like because it's so much the same. Whereas you go to Europe, you, you know straight away like, all right, I'm in a different country. But because America has so many similarities with Australia and our culture, he goes, it's a sneaky sneak up with the culture where you won't notice it for maybe a year or two. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, I'm not at home. And it was weird because, like, I'm talking maybe 15 months in, I was like, yeah, I miss Australia. Not that I want to move back, but I was of like, course, it's definitely home. that. It's home. Yeah. So. But also, the United States is, like, eight countries within the United States. Oh, like, yeah. if you're in the south to it's the United west, to the, mid, <laughs> to the Midwest, to the Northeast, culture, mm. accents, personalities, it's different. So, like, yeah, here, like... It's one thing, but if you go to New York, it's the melting pot. I've sat on the train and I was like, where are you? What are you and where are you from? Like mm. you, you're a whole, like it's so many diverse people, you know, here you can pinpoint, you know, origins to certain people. But yeah. sometimes in New York, you're like, what, what, where did you come from? Right. It's like a mix of everything. So I grew up in that, that environment. So I was, to me, I never was. Got fascinated hearing different people in New York. There's tons of people from Australia and London, yeah. and that's why I asked you when I met you. Like, I think people are not used to. It's like, hey, you're from Australia. Yeah, you know, yeah. you can't just <gasps> say that. You could have said New Zealand. You could have said a few few different countries yeah. that have a similar dialect and stuff. You don't you don't know. So I always ask people like, what what country mm. are you come from? Because I'm so used to it. Does nothing shocks me as well. Yeah, yeah. That was the one place, like. New York is the only place where I didn't get a single person go where you're from. Right. They just didn't give a shit. Yeah, they you didn't know, care. Like, shit. It's like, hurry up and move yeah. on. Whereas I go to like Ohio. And Buy your fucking chips and move on, okay? Much. You're like, hey, I've got to make tips. Get out. <laughs> but yeah, like Ohio, West Virginia. West Virginia cracks me up because that's where the, my wife's from originally. So we visit there quite yeah. often. Yeah. They I still like, churn butter. Yeah, sometimes. Actually, yeah. there is Amish country like I know. an hour away, which is hilarious. Yeah. But I always get the same two questions in the same order. One, so where are you from? Uh, Australia. This is going to sound weird, but 
why are you here? As in, why are you in West Virginia of all places? Even the people in West Virginia are just like, why the fuck would you come here? And I'm right. like, oh, I'm not. I'm visiting. <laughs> I'm in Florida. I got like, family makes here. Makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, it's anything coastal is kind of like yeah. the melting pot. But as you get in towards inside the United States, it's a lot more segregated. It's mm. like people don't. It's there, like how you learn the culture off of TV. There's a lot of people within the middle areas of the country that just know culture from television itself as yeah. well. Oh, very much Which so. kind of creates, you know, why sometimes the United States has a reputation of stereotypes and, mm. and, and that tension amongst each other because there's a whole – many areas of the United States that – don't get an opportunity to meet people with other cultures and to ex yeah. understand the acceptance of it. So it's like, you know, it's, wow, yeah. I'm not used to this. Mm. So it's weird living within the most diverse country with so many great opportunities and stuff. I noticed the things towards the coastal land is where people always like to move. And I'm, I'm assuming Australia is like that, too. As you get to the coastals one way, oh. and as you get towards the center of it, it gets a little bit more. Yeah, I think 85 to 95 85 to 90% of the population in Australia lives within 35 miles, if I'm doing conversion right, of the coast. Right. With the same landmass of America. So Amer Australia only has 23, 20, 25 million people in the landmass of America. And I think something like maybe like 15 to 18 million live on one side. Right. You know, it's just, it's just, it's so far away. <laughs> right. <laughs> Everyone's like, fuck, I'm going to go on there. But no, nah, it, it's it's cool. I tell everyone they should visit, and we're going back in two weeks. I oh, can't nice. Wait. Great for that flight. I was once invited right before COVID. They were doing a, a, a hair show out there, and they were working on sending me out there. And I was looking mm -hmm. at the hours. I was like, oh, but I want. It's not bad. Do you know how much nope. stuff you get done on like, like people hear 15 hour flight from LA to Sydney, and they go, oh, I love it. You know, you just sit down, you do nothing, you sleep most of A five-hour flight to L.A. drives me crazy, let alone uh, yeah. 15 hours. But I could do it. I've, I've, I've worked a, across these. I was actually in uh, Telford, England last year doing mm. for this thing called Barber Connect. And my, uh, the company that I'm, I'm working with, Andis, we have educators throughout the country. So it was one of the first times that we were able to meet people from Asia, Australia, mm. Europe, um, so different areas. And there was two guys that were uh, three people from the Australian team, three educators from the Australian team Yeah, that were there. And it's just like, it was, it was you know, cool, cool, cool energy. <laughs> cool energy. But we're so used to traveling too. Like you tell me from here to Australia is 26 hours of travel time. And mm. I'm like, Pfft. Because I'm to go from here. If I if I go from you watch Netflix series, you got you you you're yeah. like you download a whole well Breaking Bad that, complete. Well, I remember when when so my wife and I went to Vanuatu and I looked it up and I was like three hours. I'm like fuck, that's quick. Like three hours away. It was like basically it just felt like it went up and down. Mm -hmm. And that's like me going to Atlanta. That's how it feels. Like I was a yeah, skipping like, jump right. It, but um, you know, so because even going to Europe from Sydney. It's a 15-hour flight to Dubai where you change over and then you go to wherever you're going in Europe. Wow. Same as here. You go to either LAX or you go to right. Dallas. Yep. And then and you go where the you're hubs. going. Yep. So, so yeah. curiosity, I, I, because I'm planning a trip this summer to go to Tokyo. My daughter oh, it, Tokyo my sick. daughter definitely identifies with being Japanese. She draws anime. She watches anime. She That's eats ramen. That's off. She is, her whole room is designed. So I said, you know what? That's Since why you, you love taking photos culture, of the Pokemon cards. I did. So, um... <laughs> 
so she's so so in, she's so excited by the by it, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, it's a place that would be awesome for me to visit. I was like, oh man, such a flight. Yeah. So we're planning that, but I'm looking at this flight, and I'm like, okay, I've I've you know flying to Rome is twelve hours, coming back is thirteen hours. You manage, mm-hmm. you watch movies and stuff, but <laughs> adding another ten hours on top how of that. Did you, how far to Japan from here? I think you. It's the same thing. You got to either fly to LAX or you fly to Houston, not even Dallas, and then there's a straight flight from either from Houston. Or LAX from the flights that I looked coming from, you know, probably flying from uh, Miami. Gotcha. To, um, there. Uh, possibly to Houston. I found something from Fort Myers to Houston. But it's like 13 hours from Houston or mm-hmm. maybe 14 hours from Houston to Tokyo. Now, when you're on that flight, what do you do? Usually sleep. Absolutely. That's the problem. I, I have the hardest time. I'm such... A deep sleeper when I'm comfortable. When I'm uncomfortable, I'm mm. light. So when I, as soon as I'm like resting a little bit, that little bit of turbulence, I'm like, oh really? Uh, I'm I didn't know if you had something. The, so the biggest trick is one: don't watch TV because <laughs> you'll get bored and then you'll fall asleep. So everyone they get in the in the you know the plane and they're like, oh, I watch TV and it's this you know you got this white light in your eyes and, and it then forces like, you to stay up. Yeah. And so when we've been super lucky. I reckon out of in, in the time my wife and I have been together, we've done Sydney to Columbus or to Florida six, seven times in, in our at the, before COVID. That was like in so we would go every six months. We'd do that trip. Yeah, and I think every single trip except for one, her and I got three seats between the two of us. So we would have just a system of like you know. I'd have one leg up like that. I'd you s- paid for that extra seat? Nope. Just go. Hey, just, just, just lucky. Just lucky. Yeah. Roll so the like dice. We, Good luck doing that we now. Just sit like that. Flights are packed. Not to Australia yet. Going to Australia, it's pretty empty. So we've strategically gotten like a real random row and like <sighs> about no one booking that seat. So next you do to the us. bookends and leave enforcing people if they're going to nah, go in the middle. No, we still do it. We go until you get that three hundred pound dude that sits in and is like, "Hey, well, I sit right here." So that's where we actually have real good system where we usually just sort of give a little look of like, like, Hey, like my wife, like, eh. and then she like, cause we had a big guy sit next to us. Like he was probably six and a half, yeah. seven feet. Like this guy was massive and massive. <clears throat> and he, this lady comes up, she goes, sir, if you'd like, there's two seats over there, we'll move you over. And then she walks over, then she moves him for us. And she goes, you guys are welcome. We're like, and then, yeah, we, we had three seats between the two of us. Yeah. And now that we have a daughter. I'm like, please have someone look after <laughs> right, us. Right. But, you know, that's that's allowed me to sleep super simply across. Um, yeah, it's about getting comfortable. So it's not the turbulence that makes me frightened. It's just mm-hmm. that I'm more relaxed and I feel it. So for some reason, just being in a lighter sleep, every little thing starts waking me up. So I'm like, man, I wish oh, I could really? get into a more deep Brown sleep. Out, drool down the arm. I wish. I, I, I'm envious. Yeah, I, I am a veteran on plane ones. That was embarrassing. Yeah, that's great. But... Uh, <laughs> That's how comfortable. We're looking at that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I and I'm, I'm follow your rules. Like I try not to watch TV. I try to like get it going. But then when I'm up, then it's like oh, I'm, I'm bored and I try to get into it. And I fly a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, yeah, well, just, as an educator traveling, I'm I, I've traveled to almost every state doing classes and teaching in schools. I've been around the whole country and outside of the country. But a long flight. You know, you're talking about Australia. I've never been that far. Where yeah. it's like the flight's 17 hours total. It's, it's not as bad as you think. So, I mean, even the in-laws were like, the first time they flew over, they're like, because <sighs> the longest they'd done was here to LA. Yeah. You know? Um, and then, yeah, you get in and you're like, that's ah, not bad. Mm-hmm. It's just 
time just goes and you keep going too. Right. Um, but with Japan, are you just going to Tokyo? No, so if I would love to get an itinerary if you've been before, but I, mm. I definitely wanted to uh, like. Do you snowboard? No. I've been to New Hampshire and I've done some skiing, but I'm not a skier. And then I'm nervous about doing those type of activities right now because, you know, there's not a pension plan in my world. Like I hurt my (laughs) leg. It takes away months of me like doing traveling Mm. and doing classes and stuff. I'm I'm booked for hair shows and stuff. So all it takes is me to tear an ACL. And I'm at that age. Like Mm. if Kevin Durant is shooting a jump shot and popping an ACL and he's in the prime of his career, you know, the wrong fall will take me out the games. I've had back surgeries. I've, I've... had chemotherapy, I've had degenerated disc disease, I've had a few things, so I'm cautious about those things. Mm. But I do like sightseeing. Um, so I want to do like a five-day itinerary where maybe we were like in Tokyo, but then we want to see some of the temples yeah. and some of the countryside as well. well so when, when I went, it was for a skiing or snowboarding trip. I'm straight. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Yeah, and we went to Niseko and Rizutsu. And those snow towns are, like, incredible. They're like Whistler snow without the price tag. Wow. Even probably better, to be honest, because wow. it was just – there was. I don't know about now because this was 07, but Rizutsu had, like, this insanely large hotel. It was just one hotel at the bottom of this – of multiple mountains. The snow was untouched because it was just not really known about. And, like, this hotel was so big it had a wave pool, a whole, like, freaking – carnival thing inside it like so i don't know what it's like now 15 years on god i'm old but it was um yeah j- just japan is it's it's a different world they're so uh I'm excited to be honest with you yeah so polite like i want to take my family there yeah. when sienna gets a bit older but it's it, it, japan's just like it's a trip they're so polite like to give you an in- indication about how polite this country is there was a time when I was young, probably my teens, and I remember that an area of one of the coasts got hit by a tidal wave. Decimated area. Everyone, like so many people lost their homes. Like I'm talking, it was just flattened. They couldn't get aid in. It was, it was a whole disaster. These people went without eating probably two, three days. And then finally food trucks came in. And obviously in the Western world, everyone's just going to be like, fuck you. Yeah. It's my right. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Like yeah, entitlement. Absolutely. absolutely. These Japanese people calmly lined up just a long queue of like fucking probably a hundred plus people just waiting their turn uh, haven't eaten for two three days that is how the system is a strong and, system yeah it is a strong set i listen I, i'm a fan of professional wrestling if you ever watch like here mm-hmm. wrestling it's like people ah, going crazy and it's this wild thing and then you watch like new japan wrestling sumo wrestling well no i'm talking about like the you know the the orchestrated, uh, uh, yeah, you yeah. know, like st- we we grew up with like Stone Cold Steve Austin putting up middle fingers and mm-hmm. uh, you know the Rock and stuff. And over there, it's like that type of energy, and they do something good, and they're all <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> silent. Yeah. And then they see that that's their their excitement. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's just I, even that alone, such as like excitements and sports and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, even their mafia, the Yakuza. Look into them and research them. They are super fascinating. So, so like, they kill you politely. They, well, that's the thing. They will never touch um, tourists. They'll warn you, like, like you know, it would be enough to be like, Mm-mm. but they'll never touch a tourist because they're like, why would you break up? Our, why would you ruin our our money? You know, like you ruin our reputation in the area, then we don't make money. But I remember watching uh, Fast and the Furious documentary. 
I remember like, I think it was like Tokyo Drift, the third one. And that was about, you know, the Yakuza a little bit. And they wanted to, part of the research, they went into the Yakuza, like, can we get some, like, you know, I just want to find out what it's really like so it can right. be authentic. <laughs> so they go into this big Yakuza boss and they walk into his, the, the basement uh, or the lobby. And at first there's like, you know, little anime. And then they're like, okay. Then they just keep walking, going this like brightly lit elevator. They go up to the, the, the fourth floor, say, go to the desk. And there's like, it's like a pink wall white polka dots, cute little things everywhere. Meanwhile, this guy across the table with two dudes beside him missing their pinkies, looking like they could just murder you like that. Mm -hmm. All in this cute, like literally this was more outrageous than like how cute their whole thing was. And he's and the, the producer's like, we can't use any of this in the film because <laughs> it's just going to look ridiculous to Western culture. So that's the Yakuza. Like they're, like, they're uh -huh. the Japanese... It's just so fascinating. Like they, like every aspect of it dives into this um, anime lifestyle. I went to I went to hospital when I was in in Niseko, and I because I smacked my head on the on the ice Ooh. and I was like sneezing up blood and I was like probably should get that checked out. This is in uh, in uh, Japan snowboarding. Yeah. This is another reason. <laughs> well, ex so, example number one. <laughs> this, is, this is a great one. So this is where I went to a hospital in Japan. I hit my head on the snow first and I'm like, fuck. So it wasn't even snow, it was ice. Like I hit a heel edge and I'm like, they're going, fuck. And there's these two Japanese girls going, <laughs> I'm like, fucking, is this bitch serious? Right. Well, and they the, kept that from the Western culture. <laughs> I'm yeah. surprised they didn't go like, oh. well, phones weren't as popular back in 07. But so anyway, so my mate and I get on a bus, we go to the hospital, find out where it is. Uh. Super confusing to start off with. Like there's all these different like, aisles all with you know Japanese characters that I don't understand and then we get to the front I get my I give them my ID and they give me like a hospital pass which is same as like our driver's license sort of quality and on it is a little anime of like a, a Japanese style nurse with short skirt high socks like right <laughs> on a hospital thing and I'm like whatever fuck okay then we go up to the doctor Doctor speaks, fuck all English, like not a lick. So he gets his interpreter, a male nurse, who speaks minimal, minimal uh, English. And he, the, with the male nurse is a female nurse. The female nurse looked exactly like the anime. Short skirt, long white socks, slight little heels, looking all sexy. And I'm like, okay. Then... What made it even weirder was the guy was asking me all these, you know, doctor questions. You're right. So he's asking me all these things, and he gets to one question, and the the male nurse is like, <laughs> "I'm like, fuck, what's he going to ask me?" And then he turns to me and he goes, "Does it hurt to?" <laughs> Starts giggling with the nurse. I'm like, "What is going on?" And he, he goes, "I'm like, I'm 18. I'm 18. I'm like, huh?" And he goes, "Does it hurt to?" <laughs> <laughs> the nurse and him are like, it looks like a cartoon because they're both leaning into each other going like, <laughs> I'm like, what the, are you asking if it hurts to pee? They're like, <laughs> oh. I'm like, you're a fucking, this is a hospital. Right. You guys are immature. <laughs> I thought I was immature. I'm 18. You're immature. <laughs> <laughs> like that was literally 
my hospital experience in Japan. Yeah. Where I was just like, this isn't real. Oh, wow. But that's yeah. how cool the country is. <laughs> wow. Which is funny. Two things we're going to add to that. But one, I always say you want to start uh, solve world peace. Just tell a fart joke. 100%. Right into UN. I'm all for Whatever. it. Whatever. Every nation right in there, they just turn around, say fart joke, everyone's on the same page. Or just let one rip by accident and pretend <laughs> like it didn't Turn do around it. right in the mic, do it, and you'll be like Russia and Ukraine and be like shaking hands. <laughs> so I've recently become a parent. It's interesting to watch them grow and watch them just become a human being. And one thing that I really have learned from my little Sienna, kids will do what you do. They do not do what you say. That has really resonated recently with me. I need to be an example to my daughter and whoever, whatever future kids I have with my health, my fitness, making sure that I can be around to live longer. But not only that, I want to make sure that she has an amazing longer life. Life. She has healthy values built into her and those values come back to me. I'm the one that's responsible to put on to her. This has been a thing that we've been focusing with the easy challenge for parents. I know being a parent is very little time you can do. So finding hours and hours to go to the gym, finding time to meal prep everything, it's just, it's too much when you're a parent. So with this, we developed the one-two compound method. And this has helped parents lose up to 20 pounds in the first month. And some have even lost more than that leading into the second month and beyond. So if you're a parent and you want to figure out, you know what, I want to be around I want to be more present with my kid physically and more active, being able to keep up with them, being able to instill more values of health so that they can not only have a better life, but also live longer because, you know, healthy life, longer life. Hey. So to find out more about this, just go to my Instagram. It is Aussie Blake Doyle. Now that is O-Z Blake Doyle. And then just slide in my DMs and write the word easy, or you can write more than that if you want, and I'll send you some information to find out how easy this easy challenge is. Now let's go back to the show. Two is funny about the um, the anime dressing, like you said, with the yeah. short skirt. My daughter's nine, watches, reads the books and everything. She put together this little outfit. Mm -hmm. She comes out with the short skirt and everything. I said, mm -mm. <laughs> With the little thing wrapped around, I said, you're one between the dolls that are out here right now, like those little like LOL dolls and brats and all this. Mm. And then the anime stuff, she came out looking like an anime thing. I'm like, I can't walk around with you like this. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't want to <laughs> shame you on dressing. Like, I want you to be a creative and do what you need to do. But at the same time, I can't be a father walking around with you yeah. dressed like this at this age. It's like, it's kind of creepy. So I had to try to like... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm weird let's about take off anything the, Let's take off the, of... the neck thing and let's like kind of like lower the dress and it's cool, like you got a great creative style, but let's just kind of switch yeah. it up a little bit, right, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah, let's not do that outfit. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd be weird. <clears throat> but I mean, at the same time, <clears throat> you're like, fuck. <sighs> What's right? What's wrong? Well, that's you the know? thing. I think the biggest thing is went with me raising a daughter is I don't want her to ever feel like what she's doing is wrong. Yeah. You know, like she likes working with makeup, but I have to, it's important for me to always say how beautiful she is. But at the same time, I'll encourage you doing makeup. I actually bought silicone faces and I gave her mannequin heads and you could practice it. To me, it's an art and you mm -hmm. can make a lot of great money as a makeup artist. So instead of showing it's wrong to do it, you know, there's a time and place to do it if you yeah. want to do it. But if you're out, and I also want you to know, embrace your beauty. You don't need those things that you see on TV to see just as beautiful. But okay, be a creative and do that as well. As well as dress code. There's, there is a time and a place, but, mm -hmm. you know, it's that fine line. It's, it's a tough, tough thing being a girl dad at this point. But it's yeah. that fine line. Like, again, you know, if you're so strict and, and prevent them to do it, they're going to do it more when they're older anyway. 100%. So it's like, can we meet 
down the middle without making it look like it's wrong. But at the same time, like, you know, I'm walking out with you and then I look like that dad and your daughter's looking like yeah. this. It's kind of creepy in a way. So I can't do yeah. that. Yeah, I won't even, I mean, if I need to go in the shower or anything else, I'm like, even though my daughter's only 16 months, I got to stay, so I get her out there. She's like, she doesn't know what she, the, what it did. I'm like, I don't care. I'm like, get her out. I'm like, I won't do any of that. And Stacey's like, you're so weird. Like, Stacey's my wife. She's like, you're just so weird. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's different. You feed her from this, so it doesn't matter if she sees it. Me, I'm just like, nah. Get right. out. Put her out. If, if sometimes she <coughs> won't leave because Stacey's doing her makeup, I literally have Stacey get, like, a towel, and I go hold it in front of her face until I, like, run in, pull the shower curtain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm safe. <laughs> right. right <laughs> She's right. like, what? I'm like, I don't know, man. It's just I would rather be that weirded out by that stuff than whatever else, you know, like. Yeah. So, Sure. I don't know what happens when she gets older. I'm just like, can 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 you not wear that? So that'd right. be it. Cause yeah, right. I don't know what I'll do. I'm telling you, like I just my experience and growing up and just like, you know, my relationship experience would be people that had women that had very over the top strict parents and took that away from them and created such a right wrong, yeah perspective turned out being worse and everything their father didn't mm-hmm. want their their daughter yeah. to become, right? So I'm it's like... It's we always you, crave what we can't have. Right. So you just kind of got to have that understanding. Like, I, I've seen the strictest fathers as a kid. I was, you know, like I said, we've all been wild mm-hmm. young kids. And it's like, oh, you know, some of the most wild women that were in my life were the parents that were, like, not there or, or very strict. Yeah. You know? So it's like you can't be super strict. You got to let them feel like you... You got to express yourself, but also... The time and place for certain things as well, mm. like you know, just it's it's, all, it's it's there's no answer. Yeah, but I just know it's like you gotta you gotta be a father, but you also gotta be understanding. So I won't, I don't want you to lose that connection and being open with me and speaking to me about things where you know you're kind of keeping things quiet and doing things anyway. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna be a wild ride. <clears throat> Yeah, she's only ride. nine. I'm already, I'm not <laughs> ready for these next years. She's already treating me like she's a, a tween. You know what I mean? I could just imagine. I hate you, Dad. Uh, yeah. Slammed the door. <laughs> I was like, I fed you, <laughs> <laughs> for years. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Now I'm getting to that point where I'm just you like, my rug. With- yeah. I'm starting to understand my 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 parents where they're just like, you know, it's like oh, I'm I, I'm doing. I mean, I'm only 16 months in, but I'm like, I'm doing all these things. I'm like, I cannot. I have to continually train myself. I'm like. Even now, like, I mean, I'm, this is thoughts of 10 years, 15, 20 years from down, I, from later. I can't, I need to keep training myself going, she doesn't owe you anything back. She, like, if I start being like, oh, I've, I've done this, this, and this for her, <coughs> I don't want to start it. Like, you know, just subconsciously expecting some sort of respect back or expecting something else back. It's like, well, no, no, I need to not expect that, but still promote, you know, helping and supporting which is freaking hard because I'm like, all right, got to plan 10 years from now. <laughs> right. Yeah. I just know how I was as a kid, you know? Yeah. But Same. It's, yeah. It's, it's weird. But, um, and I think we go, we, we talked about this start of this podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Where having st- stricter grandparents and then the separation mm-hmm. of age difference too, mm-hmm. because what your parents understand, remember my parents at my age are seventies or are popping in the seventies. My grandparents are, you know, 15 to 20 years older than that. So to re- to understand that gap yeah. and listen to their views to where I'm at, there's a heavy separation. So that strict 
caused me to be very wild. Mm, yeah, that would have been rough because I had a lot of. I couldn't talk to my, my grandparents and, and have certain mm. things like to talk. I had to be a little bit more because everything's like their yeah. their mentality is a little different. So I I think I was just if not more wild that where I would say the conversation that I would have maybe had with my mother <clears> could have been some some of the things that I wanted to identify. As far as even my first girlfriend or like, hey, I felt awkward giving this first kiss or I really like this girl or what do, you know, I, I didn't even want to tell my grandparents that, you know, I was dating like that. It's like, yeah. oh, you know, so they're still at the age. It's like, oh, you met her? You getting married? It's like, <laughs> no, I want to have fun. Yeah. You know, I want to have fun. I want to get to know people. I want to explore. I want to enjoy life. But, you know, just different things because the, back then they were getting married at younger ages and yeah. stuff, right? It is wild how quickly we change. You know, like, especially the internet now, I feel like culture changes and shifts every three to five years, where it used to be a little bit slower. So, yeah, I, I can't imagine, like, when you think further down, it's like, all right, what's, what's going to be like for our kids' generation as parents or, like, our grandkids, you know, um, and try not to be afraid of it because there's definitely this habit of, like, every single generation shits on the one that comes after them. You know, they work so hard to give their kids what they didn't have. And then they resent them for having not been through struggles that they went through. It's a real weird dynamic, you know. And so it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in our grandkids. Can you generation. imagine what they're? It's just going to be different. I yeah, mean, like every... just so like when they get older, the conversations and what they see and they're going to be mad at the, the kids. What yeah. the hell are they listening to? You yeah. know what I mean? Like what we, we think and, and and our grandparents and every generation, I mean the people that were parents of the the elfish generations, like, mm -hmm. oh my God, he's shaking his hips. Yeah. You know, and they're freaking out. You know, now it's like, you know, they're gonna grow up to listen to their kids and it's like, Did you? They just don't sound like little baby anymore. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, no, over, that's the weird thing. You know, like this, like where does it go? It's just interesting. Yeah, it's just forever changing, you know, and um I mean, I, there's a saying I love, which is uh, in 52 BC, there was some philosopher saying the kids are lazy today, you know, yeah. like it's it's just forever changing. And right. Um, right. Anyone who says that right now it's more <laughs> dangerous than it's ever been. I'm just like, don't think it is. I don't know if I wanted to be like where you slap me in the face with a glove and says, I challenge you to a duel. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, and there's no like, but that was I, thought manly. Was, I, was, I thought that was pretty dangerous. I walk into a bar, I step on your shoes, like, come outside, high noon right now to the death. I was like, yo, bro, relax. Can I buy you a beer? Like, <laughs> yeah. just, you know, it just depends on how aggressive you want to be. But there were times where it's just like, you know, okay, we're taking over your village and that's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think we're very lucky to be alive right now, but... I think so. I, well, just, I think we're more in tuned with what's going on with social media and Twitter, so we think yeah, yeah. the world's really dangerous, but in all actuality, like if you live during uh, Genghis Khan's time, you know, and you were living in one part of the area, it's not like you could, mm. like, through Twitter and be like, you know, Genghis Khan just invaded another village. You mm. just didn't know. You had to wait for the sparrow to come in with the newsletter yeah. and be like, hmm. Yeah, and hope you get that. that you know, and just see, like, like hey, by oh, the way, you're about just... to die. Yeah, like. <laughs> <laughs> and your daughter is going to be a concubine. Right. Like, oh, fucking great. Great. Like, great so, Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> so I think there's always been times where it's been pretty wild. Yeah. You know, we just know more about it now. Yeah, well, and it's been good, though, because there is, I mean, there's always been a thing where they've controlled, like, people in power, no matter what it is, if you're in power, you control the, you know, the levels of information. The internet was sort of like a thing where it's all of a sudden people could talk, and you'd be like, oh, shit, and now they're trying to control that. It's like, 
I wonder what's going to happen after the internet. Like the internet was this massive breaker of like a split in time, basically, where all of a sudden everything advanced so much quicker that I wonder, I'm like, shit, what's <coughs> next? What's after the internet? Because there will be something, you know, there will be something. So curious to but think. what is it? And then the timing of it, you know, like think about how crazy the world has changed in just 13. We're going to the iPhone. We're at the iPhone 14. So yeah, the pro 14, day. Yeah, right. <laughs> but 14 years ago, we were introduced to that phone. Yeah. So just 15 years ago, you went to a sporting event. You watched the sporting event and you lifted up a sign. Mm. You know, now you're watching the whole event like this and getting it, right? It Which just, I've never understood. Why do people film events and concerts? Because you never watch it. You never watch you it. Never Nobody, watch I, I don't think anyone's ever in history said, ah. hey, yo, can you pull up those 2014 fireworks from July 4th? No one ever does. Can I see it? Yeah. Let me just see if they change from the way they look. I think it's sometimes a quick <clears throat> people just to be like, yo, I'm here, but like videotaping the whole thing. You yeah, see people like... At in a sporting event and a basketball player's right here and you're like, mm. you're like, you pay a lot of money for them seats, like yeah, <laughs> you, yeah. you can see them right here. I you know, but but think about how crazy that has changed everything in a yeah, in a in a heart I don't what, what year was it, 2001 or whatever it was, I don't know, 15 years ago, whatever year that's it. The year before that, it's as strong as the transition of the first television. Imagine what families were doing. Before mm. the first, it went from probably playing board games, speaking, socializing to like TV dinners and watching Dick Clark on television. I'm sure yeah. he was on the first episode. He's got to be one of those guys. But that probably changed the whole generation and lifestyle altogether. And then I think the social, the, the, the phone is doing that. So what is the next thing? Yeah. And I think we're starting to see it with like the. a chip in your head. <laughs> it's probably, well, I'm they're trying to do the. The virtual reality oh, yeah. and making it more and more <laughs> where, you know, you can be whatever. Like oh, You mean I the augmented reality? I think that's the most... They're saying the next thing is more <coughs> like virtual is a little too far away because it's complete detachment, whereas augmented reality will be the next thing. And so, that's like, you know, like Pokemon Go, how it was like you, you're you running around in real life and then you go, oh, there's a Pokemon here. You tap on it, you pull it up, you see real life, you know, and then you throw a thing at it. <clears throat> that's what augmented reality mm. is. So they're saying, um, Mark Zuckerberg was talking about, it. he goes, the next thing is more like augmented reality because that's the thing that can be more monetizable because right. people can still operate their life and get all the cool things. So like say you're, this is where it's going to be wild. Create treasure hunts and stuff. Treasure hunts, you know, like, and you don't have to go out and do it. You can just put it in a computer and then people will be like, oh shit, I'm going to find this thing. All oh, right. sick. And you can do like crazy stuff around <coughs> the whole world. Like, oh, I need to... I need to buy, you know, video. Like, could you imagine video games in real life? Like, you saw that with Pokemon Go. Yeah. They still profit a billion sure. dollars a year. And Have so, you played the Oculus? Nah. Man, that's a wild That's that a wild, wild thing, too. Yeah, they're even trying to, like, the new ones are even getting more slick. They're not, they're like, these big <clears> things. <throat> they're getting more and more, and you're just like. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be an don't interesting say, thing. Don't sit so close to the TV. You'll hurt your eyes. And yeah, now we're no, like. like <laughs> 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 yeah, it'll eventually be in our eyes. But um, so to go back to your story, we got a little bit of a tangent. I like them. Um, there was something I remembered in uh, in my in my show notes. <laughs> um, twenty eighteen seemed like a really impactful year for you, where it was super highs and super lows, where yeah. you were um, diagnosed with uh, I forget the thing. Yeah, it was, it was a non non Hodgkin's lymphoma. Yes, yes. and then you also well, you also got like small business of the year or I something did. in yeah. the area too, yeah. like. Um, 
going through, I mean, I, I'm not sure how much, obviously the cancer would have been completely outweighing the best business of the year. Um, what was it, was it like happening during that? the same time? Actually, oh, really? it was happening during the same time. I didn't, I didn't say anything to anybody. Actually, when I won small business a year, the war, and I was at the presentation and they were talking to me, mm-hmm. I didn't release the news yet. I was on my way. I was just leaving from a bone marrow um, biopsy to oh. see if it was in my bone marrow. So non-Hodgkin's lymphoma was blood cancer. So I was at stage four. When I caught it, I had lumps on my neck. Mm-hmm. And I went to the doctor and I went through all these tests. It's not like you, it's, it is definitely a routine. You know, I, I was, I was like you, I've always in and out of gym. I liked working out. I was in good shape. Shops are going well. I'm growing. Things are happening. And then all of a sudden I touched my throat. And I'm like, why does it feel like a little marble? And I sat on it and said, oh, maybe it's a lymph node. And it's like started reading about it. And it's like if they don't go away in a couple of weeks. And then I got another one. Then I got another one. And I go see the doctor. And I remember the doctor touching my neck. And he goes, I want to give you my card. And if there's anything that I can do, I want you to reach out to me directly. We need to give you a blood tr- test right now. Mm. You need to go across the street, and I need you to do an X-ray. Then I wait a couple of weeks, and then the X-ray is like, okay, do the PET scan. And then I need you to do this, the CAT scan. And then and I was going through a test, and I remember sitting through all of this. And then I was still educating, and I was did a class in Las Vegas, and I'm on the plane. And right when I'm about to get on the plane, she, the doctor calls me up, and it's like, your PET scan results came back. And... You, you have uh, we. They don't know the type of lymphoma, but most likely you, you, you have lymphoma. I was like, "What is that? Is that cancer?" And they're like, "Yeah, you have it's, and it's all over your body. It's oh, completely shit. in my body." I was. It was good. The next one was here. It was going into my brain. Oh. So I was not that long ago from not catching it and it being fatal. And the. If anything was to happen, I always try to look the better, right? Like the, the, the philosophy I always try to stick with is be better, not bitter, right? Mm. So it happens. It sucks. It was scary. I mean, that was the longest flight from coming from uh, Las Vegas home. I like literally was – the guy next to me must have thought like, was this crazy dude crying in the thing? <laughs> I'm finding my tears like thinking. I'm like, damn, I'm not going to see my daughter go to – to kindergarten, my son's mm. graduating high school. This is this is it. I'm thinking it's a death a death sentence to me. But I said, you know what? Enjoy today. Let it be what it is. Take each day for what it is. Enjoy what's given to you. If I go tomorrow, don't make it show today. Just appreciate what you <clears> got today. But take everything as it goes. And that biopsy that I got, you know, was well, the positive thing. It wasn't in my marrow. In the marrow would have been another. Uh, st- uh, statistically, I've, I wouldn't been able to to pass through with that either. Mm. But it, even though it was all through my body, it was like, okay, we got to set you up to chemo. So I got that award with a, a, a you know feeling like I got hit with a ninety mile per hour fastball on my ass mm-hmm. because they had t- they did the bone marrow biopsy and the lady says, I'm sorry, we didn't get enough sample, and then they put it again. It's like <laughs> fucking a hammer coming in to take a sliver of it. So that whole process, I stayed quiet with a smile on my face. You wouldn't even have known. And then I showed the picture, hey, this is my journey. And then it it it, it was the process. And it's you know, it sucks. Yeah. Like chemo sucks. Like I, I watched things. Everybody sent me stuff. I actually d- did a lot of holistic ways to help me fight. I, I Holistically, the way I ate, the things that I eliminated, because I knew if I'm doing chemotherapy, they put poison in your body to destroy the, po- the, the, the virus, but at the same time, it's going to kill all the 
the good things in your body. Mm. So it strips you down. Yeah. And you have no energy. And <laughs> then I um I started doing all this eating the right things and and I paid attention to what type of cancer I had and I had to eliminate meats because I knew meats create mucus on the blood and since I had blood cancer I was trying mm. to clean so I was creating more of an alkaline style diet. So there was a lot of r- routines that I was doing during that which allowed me to keep strong while the chemotherapy was keeping me down. And actually my after my last chemotherapy put me in the ICU and there were I have a picture like I was had 0.04% white blood cells. So I was masking before everybody was masking. I was like, well, was that? <laughs> I was that, that guy. Trendsetter. And even, yeah, trendsetter <laughs> all day. So I started in three days. They were surprised that I got my, my uh, I got out the hospital. I was like, you're supposed to be here two weeks. How did you get your, your levels back? And it was just like keeping that positive attitude. It sucked. Mm-hmm. The worst part is that everyone you spoke to looked at you like a death sentence. Yeah. You know, everyone's like... Why do people do that? I mean, it's like, are you okay and stuff? And every time you looked at it, it was was difficult. And it was part of my routine. I needed, like, to help money with the bills. And I came up with a fade cancer um, organization where I put up these T-shirts. And everyone in the hair industry helped me. And I put money towards the St. Jude's Hospital as well as took some money to help me with some medical bills. And then as I got past it, I went into remission in... uh, you know, a year and a half later, and I've been in remission since. And I kind of don't talk about it too much. Like, we'll, we'll share this unless it's brought up to me because yeah. it was one of those things is I didn't want to live my life and everybody look at me like, <clears throat> I don't want you to like me because I'm a survivor. Yeah. Like, if we talk about it and we talk cool and maybe grab some inspiration from it, but it was... I'm going back to my work, and I want you to respect me as an educator and as a great barber. I didn't want you just to like me because I went through that. Yeah. And it sucks, and I will share with people that, you know, regardless how high... And how great you're doing in life, expect the unexpected. Because in the moment, it changed. And what I took from that is different approach and slowing down and appreciating some of the smaller things that I was overlooking. Because it was fast, fast, get money, make this move, work, 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 work. And it was like, okay, cool, let me relax. Yeah. And I just stayed. Everyone, rest. You need to rest. And I was like going to London while in the middle of it. I was doing hair shows. I was in Mm. Vegas. I was in Atlanta. I was like... I'm going to work. Everyone's telling me to rest. The one day that I rest, I was so depressed and I was like, it got into my head. I was like, I just need to get up. I'm not working as hard, but I'm going to get up for a few hours, do a few things, and then I'm going to sit down and rest. And as it goes, it just, like anything, it's just a really terrible chemotherapy. It's like a a very intensified, strong flu. It's probably like, you know, the feeling that you get when you get really a terrible, terrible flu for Mm. days in and days out and you're trying to recover. And then you get the next dose and then, then it it weighs down on you and just everything changes. But you gotta, you gotta like, it's a mental game. Like, look at things, appreciate it. And, you know, it's not promised. Tomorrow's not promised. And I think it really helped me looking back at life. There's a lot of things that I enjoy doing now because I slowed down and paid attention, but I'm still a workaholic and I still am trying to get mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So, would you find that, um, like, if you had advice for people that went through anything even remotely similar to that, that, you know, did you find that the advice of stop, don't do anything, rest, as they call it, was not that it was terrible advice, but you would find that if, if you were to continue to have resting It's weeks, a terrible months, advice to yeah. me. It's terrible advice. And even the nutrition packet that the, the, the um, oncologists give you, it's all about eating sugars and all this for people <coughs> that just want to sit down. When that's sh- the worst thing. promotes cancer. It does. It actually so enlarges tumors. To- yeah. There's that, a whole nother story that we could talk system. to on that stuff, right? <laughs> that there's a lot. It's like, listen, there's a it's a multi-billion dollar 
industry daily yeah, that's, that's the that's one thing to prevent say, it. Stop eating sugar because my friend. But the doctors are good, and, and and they got the the, the drug is meant to the, mm. the, the, the um, cure you, but at the same time, they give you like Jello and shit. The, the 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 peanut butter crackers and drink a milkshake and have steak. But when you understand, so doctors are not nutritionists. Nutritionists are not doctors. Doctors yeah. know how to heal you through medication, but nutritionists will show you how to keep your body strong. You're a fit guy. You understand how important nutrition is. Mm. If you could do it at an early stage, maybe you can try certain things to shrink the tumors in your body if you catch it early enough and maybe not even have to go on medication. I was so far into it, I knew I had to go into it. But at the same time, the, pr the preparation of what I was about to go into well let me try to keep my body mm. right by putting the right things into my body yeah. so it's a lot more holistic ways so i eliminated sugars and i eliminated meats and i eliminated a lot of those things not saying that protein is bad mm. for you but if you're dealing with a cancer that's living into your blood the best thing is you want to remove the mucus from your blood since that's going to help the drug that's going in your body work more so the time that I was so done was with chemo, meat, I felt they were like, wow, you recovered very quickly from this. Mm. So I think mental health, a combination of fitness and not being that person who lays on my ass all day. There was times I couldn't. I had to lay yeah. down. There was times. But even in those times, I got up and did a few things. I was cutting hair. I was getting chemotherapy on Wednesday. I was in the barbershop on Thursday cutting hair. People mm. were looking at me. I was gray. The color of my skin was gray. Mm. You know, like they, one of the guys, we're in the barber world and we make we still make jokes. And I think their way is like I could take a good joke yeah. regardless. <laughs> so at first they looked at me. I lost my beard. And they're like, oh, my God, don't say anything. But after a while, they knew Yeah, I'm dealing with the well. But I could never forget one of the... um. One of my skin complexion is gray and I have no beard. And the barber is like, man, you look like Hellraiser <laughs> or Pinhead. You look like Pinhead. It's like, okay, great. But um, I think just walking in and doing that, even that inspiration, the guys around me is like, yo, I'm not going to complain that I got a headache tomorrow and I can't come to work. This yeah. guy's going through <laughs> this problem. But those things, I didn't work from 9 to 7 anymore. I might have came in and worked from 10 to 1, but I did a few things. And when I was doing it, I didn't think about it. So I tried to stay active doing things. And if when I needed to sit down, I sat down and I rest. But I, I understood myself, give myself rest. But when I was actively doing stuff, the pain didn't hurt me as much. Mm. So I suggest that listen to yourself. Don't listen to other people. Do what you can manage. When you know you need to sit down, sit down and try to pay attention to the things you're putting in your body during that time if you're going through it. I'm not going to say it's going to completely heal you, but it may make the ride a little bit easier for you. Yeah. Yeah, that's good advice. Because it's definitely uh, – because <coughs> keeping yourself moving as well, like I think there's a, there's a danger of – I mean, I've never been through something like that, but I know that just personally if you're in a, a bad mood – like a girlfriend breaks up to you. I mean, shit, shit comparison, but it's an emotionally traumatic experience right. for a small thing. Mm -hmm. um, I remember when I was younger, my friend, you know, the go-to was like, my girlfriend dumped me and she was like, oh, let's just go out and let's just get drunk. And I was like, I'm not using that as an escape. That's unhealthy. Yeah. So I just went out and hung out with dudes and didn't drink versus, again, attaching myself to this right. destructive behavior with an emotion and also not staying at home where it's just like you can just well, like, you know, it's great when you're right. with your friends and you're distracted or at work right. with your friends and then you go home and then you're alone with your thoughts and it's just you feel those right. those negative things just multiply. And I'm a strong believer. What you said is I heard that all the time. It's like, yo, like, it's not compared to what you're doing. But you know what? I tell people like everything. A guy fell off a ladder. He's like, I hurt my back. and come, But it's not going what you're going through. And I said, be honest with you. 
you know, mm. I have, I've had back surgery and I've had back pains my whole life and stuff. Mm. And I'm like, there's certain things that suck. And I'm not going to like, <laughs> it does. Like, yes, I'm going through this and it sucks on my end. But it's like, listen, when you're going through that moment, it sucks for you. So yeah. even in those type of process, you got to do what you need to do. And that's a great example because even that's considered mental health mm. where you're, where, where you're, Solving things for the better because there's two ways to do it, right? Yeah. Go out, get drunk, get right. emotional. Who knows? I could get myself into a fight for right. no reason. Like, or just, just accept it. Let it bother don't. you and, and, and be around yeah. people that it's like, yo, you know what? Just give it time. But it gives you an opportunity to be like, all right, I analyze myself. I know what it is. It sucks. I know what not to do next time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And um, the last thing I want to ask about is you, you've got an online course mm -hmm. uh, the sean casey academy. academy yes academy you you've had ten thousand people go through that uh i think even more i think i'm probably Ooh. about like i've i've taught worldwide over ten thousand individual students oh shit that's so back in the, and even more but no i've probably had over like fifty thousand people that's been wow. in and out of through my academy and what's that like like um so there, how does that how does that operate for someone who's like a student who works for you and it's continuing education? So it's pre-recorded material mm -hmm. that I upload new material a lot as well, but it's definitely like an, an academy that if you're learning how to do something, I'm breaking down um, a system step by step on a ver uh, on a, a set of different versatile haircuts, texture, um, styles, and length. And I'm putting it all together. So you can pause the video. You can get a mannequin head. You can, like, stop it. You can watch me and you can mm. learn. Sometimes in school, it's book work. And, you, you know, sometimes you don't get the best education in school. But it's a necessity because you have to get your license in school. I don't provide getting a license through my academy. Mine is... You've, you're going through the process, but you want to get better. It's designed for the person that's getting into something or wanting to learn something new. Mm -hmm. So I designed it more for the student or if somebody's really heavy into short or uh, clipper work and they want to learn more scissor shear cutting, you can watch it and pick that up as well. So I have three different modules. I have a base training, which you just learn technical videos. I got a middle, um, a middle model that is you learn um, how to run a business, start a business, how to hire for a business, and how to scale a business. So it's a business masterclass involved with it. And the third model is you get all of that with some coaching one-on-one -on -one with me as well. Mm. So I provide all three of those. Yeah. And that's at com. And what does that cost for, for um, people who want to keep their uh, their knowledge continuing? Oh, so, uh, with three tiers. So it starts at uh, starting at $9.99. And as you go up each tier, it's a little bit more. Okay. And that's per month? Yes, that's per month. It's pretty good for ongoing education. Yep. Wow. Yep. And so that's actually a good pivot too. For, I mean, because most people, when they start any sort of I don't know if you consider hairdressing a trade, but I guess it is. It is, it is yeah. Okay. I always think trade like tradies. Yeah. In Australia, we're tradesmen, we call them tradies. Mm -hmm. so. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's really cool that you went from, I mean, I guess most hairdressers always just think these are the only things that can make mm -hmm. me money as a business person. Right. Uh, and maybe I'll open a salon and that's how I'll, yeah. I'll build my brand. But really cool to see you entrepreneurial mindset going, you know what, I'm going to I've got to find my knowledge, but how do I scale that? For sure. And help people. Not only that, it's like you're not even in just limits into the country. It's like, yeah, you can you can teach people all around the world. And just also, I think, would it, would you say it also because you know that there's people paying every single month, there's a responsibility for you to continually improve for sure. as well. Which it's like a, it's like a, 
it's a double win. Like yeah. you're getting paid, mm-hmm. but now you're like, oh crap, I need to learn. So I'm always on top mm-hmm. of it, which always furthers your skills. For sure. There's a value to experience. Mm. I believe when you get to an experience, there's a whole group of people that are trying to, to buy on L levels. I don't sell to the experienced person. Mm. I want to sell to the person that's coming out of school and needs that, that how-to on all avenues, right? And then there is, it's just another way of just doing something with your hands, mm. you know? That's cool. And so for people who are trying to find, uh, I mean, you mentioned SeanCaseyAcademy.com? Yeah, SeanCaseyAcademy.com. Uh-huh. And where do they find you if they wanted to even reach out if it's like Instagram or whatever? So Instagram is TwinCuts underscore CEO. That's same with my TikTok. Um, going back to just quickly what you said about having the academy and forcing me, the reason why my social media blew up and I'm strong on all levels, um, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, is because it's forced me to to do things daily mm. and create that content because my content is always promoting my academy. So it forces me to keep doing that. So yeah. the, yes, again, to find me, I'm Twin Cuts on all a- avenues. If you do Twin Cuts underscore CEO, you'll find me on all avenues. That's my Instagram and that's my TikTok. Perfect. Well, thank you for coming, dude. It yeah, was, man. Thank you fun. for having me, bro. Yeah. It was awesome. I like the, uh, the, the liquid the, death water, the, the, the fake seltzer. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just water, baby. It's just water. Keep it clean, guys. Yeah. Listen, yeah, I got to pee as well. I'm so. keeping, I'm keeping, I'm keeping <laughs> the contracts open. I'm not drinking on, um, <laughs> but yeah, make sure you subscribe guys and we'll be more cool people coming on. So please. Thank, thank you. you.